This evening's Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A reading from Micah a promised ruler from Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. Good afternoon. Uh, today's final reading will be from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Uh, the Magi visited the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chiefs, priests and teachers of the law, he asked them 
where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may too go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen rise went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Good evening. Glad you could join us at this year's Carols by Candlelight. I'll put that on the floor so don't knock it over. Uh, a special welcome to you if you are a visitor. I definitely can't see you, but I know that there's a lot of people out there. You're really welcome. I'm Dave. I'm one of the ministers here at the Bridge Church. And since I don't know you all that well, I'd like to get to know you a wee bit better. So I would like to know, I want to know what your idea of a joy-filled Christmas is. What is your ideal joy-filled Christmas on the screen behind me, we're going to have some things that might feature or might not feature in your joy-filled Christmas. So first one, tinsel. Does tinsel feature in your joy-filled uh, Christmas? Does it fill you with joy or fill you with cringe? Let's, let's get some hands in the air. Love it. Belongs at Christmas. Put hands in the air. Don't be ashamed. We've got some tinsel lovers in the house. Great. Okay. Hands down. Next one, uh, let's do Christmas movie time. Uh, does It's a Wonderful Life. There was a little, aw, yeah. We've got double hands from Ollie over there. Okay, we've got some It's a Wonderful Life fans. Uh, next one, a classic, Sprouts. Ho, 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 or no, 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 which one is it? Okay, we've got some hands up. Uh, last week, my barber asked me, what is the church's official position on Sprouts? And I... I got the opportunity to speak for the global church and say, it's a no, no, no from the church. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, one more. Uh, celebrations or Quality Street, two options. So let's go celebrations first. Okay. Hands down. Let's go Quality Street next. Okay. And I can assume that people who haven't put their hands up yet are Heroes, Heroes fans. Yes. So... Just there, I've got a wee insight of what the 25th, an ideal joy-filled 25th of December would look like for you. So, It's a Wonderful Life is on the screen, or it's been on the screen at some point. There's tinsel everywhere. It's on the tree, it's on the stairs, it's in the hair, it's everywhere. Quality Street in one hand, bowl of sprouts in the other hand. Ah, oh, pure joy, right? What more could you ask for? Christmas is the time of year, isn't it, when we make an massive effort to experience joy. We've all done it, haven't we? We've all used that phrase, it's Christmas time, to try to get just a wee bit more joy, to create joy or to give more joy. So you're buying a present for someone you love and you're not sure you can afford it. You say to yourself, 
It's Christmas time. Second helping of food. Well, if I'm honest, third helping of food, we say it's Christmas time. Want to force your family to play a board game that they hate but you love? You say, but it's Christmas time. Come on, increase the joy. It's Christmas time. But I don't know about you, but just as quickly as Christmas comes around, it's gone. And the joy goes with it, doesn't it? The joy we experience at Christmas can be so fleeting, momentary, so fragile, easily broken, perhaps so far away the rest of the year. If you've ever had or felt a hunger for a greater, lasting joy, you're not alone. If you've been searching for a greater and lasting joy, you need to know that there is one this Christmas. For the Christian faith offers us an eternal joy, one that never ends. Uh, Let's see what this Bible passage, the Matthew passage that we had read to us, has to say about joy. Let's think about the search for joy. Even as we begin to think about looking at a passage from the Bible, you might be thinking, seriously, can we really believe this? Can we really believe a fairy tale like this? A nice one, albeit we love our nativity sets. How can a fairy tale really offer us lasting joy? I don't know if you noticed, but whenever that passage from Matthew was read, it's not really written like a fairy story, is it? It's full of real people's names and full of real places in the world. Things that we see from outside of the Bible, people who really lived like King Herod, like Jerusalem and Bethlehem. That tells us that the person writing the account, Matthew, is writing history, not fantasy, not fairy tales. He's writing to tell the Jews about God's promised King, Jesus. And there's another reason we can believe that this is a true account that really happened in history, and that is the presence of the Magi. They're often called wise men, aren't they? Astrologers, advisors from the East. The fact that Matthew includes them in his narrative tells us they must have really been there. For the Jewish people weren't particularly fond of the Magi. It's like Irish and English, they just don't mix. One source I looked at said that if a Jew went to a Magi to learn something from them, they were deserving of death. So pretty extreme, pretty extreme hostility here. I don't know if any of you have this on your Christmas wish list, the Google Pixel phone. Its unique selling point is something that is called the magic eraser. I don't know if you've heard of it, the magic eraser. I'll show it on the screen behind me. So the the selling point of this phone is the magic eraser where you can erase people out of the background of the photo. So you see there, they're taken out. They've been erased from the photo. So you get that picture perfect photograph. Matthew, the man who writes this eyewitness account, doesn't use the magic eraser. He doesn't pander to his audience. He really includes the magi because they were actually physically there at the birth of Jesus. So we're reading what actually happened. You can really believe this story. Next thought, you might be thinking, well, surely searching for joy in the Bible is, is wrong, isn't it? Is God not the ultimate killjoy and fun sponge. So why search for joy in the Bible? You would have noticed as the story was read that the Magi bring three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
The Bible tells us that the God who created the universe gave us all good gifts to enjoy. Everything in your life that gives you joy, that you enjoy this Christmas, food, family, friends, whatever it may be, even sprouts are a good gift from him. So, so the Bible is full of joy because God is the source of all joy. Let's go back to the Magi. The gifts that they bring, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, tell us that they were wealthy and well-connected, and yet they were searching for something more. Perhaps that describes you, wealthy, well-connected, but searching for something more. And they were searching for it in God's promised king. Now, I often lose my keys. I've nearly lost them right now. I often lose my keys. And my wife last year got me an incredible present. It's called a tile. Some of you are thinking, okay, I'm writing this down. This is a tile. And basically what you can do with it is whenever you lose your car keys, you can ring it from your phone. So you can hear it being like, okay, I know that the keys are somewhere in this house somewhere. And as I walk around the house looking for it, I can tell when I'm getting warmer or colder. Friends, if you're looking, searching for joy tonight, could I encourage you to look at God's King Jesus? Because the closer you get to him, the warmer you will get to joy. Next, King Jesus. The Magi were searching for the King of the Jews, Jesus. They say, don't they, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Now you think to yourself, what difference would living under God's King make to our joy Remember the reading from earlier from Isaiah? God's king is different. Jesus is described as a wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, who is great and his rule will have no end. Imagine knowing someone like that. That would increase your joy, right? Knowing him and being under his rule would mean joy. Now, it's not a Christmas movie, but it's a great movie. The Lion King demonstrates this idea perfectly. So, uh, we'll put it up on the screen. Whenever the right king is on the throne, the pride lands, beautiful, it's flourishing. The animals are happy because everyone's in the right place because the right king is on the throne. When the wrong king, that pesky scar, is on the throne, the pride lands wilt. The animals suffer. It's a horrible place whenever the wrong king is on the throne. Now, the magi, like us, could see as they looked out their window. And if they're honest, when they looked in the mirror, or as you Welshies say it, mirror, when they looked in the mirror, they would see that there's a problem. They, they would see a problem in their world, and the problem is that the wrong king is on the throne. So let's think about that problem, the problem we all face. At Christmas time, there's always great movies on, and they're familiar movies. And one way I like to keep familiar movies fresh is by putting myself into the story. I like to put myself into the story. So I think, how might I react in this situation? So I love imagining myself as John McLean from that famous Christmas movie, Die Hard. I think, how would I respond in this situation? And I think, I would not take off my shoes. I would not take off my shoes, real one. But whenever I do this, I always put myself into the story as the hero. I never put myself into the story as the villain. But whenever I read this nativity story from Matthew, that's exactly what I should do. Because King Herod is what I'm like, it's what we're all like. Let me explain. 
How does King Herod respond to the idea of there being a new king in town? Joy? No. What does it say in verse 3? He was disturbed. Just to give you a picture of just how disturbed he was, in verse 16, it says, King Herod gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. We're just like Herod. Whenever we hear this claim that there's another king, that God is the better king whose rule we should live under, we don't like it. We don't like anyone challenging our rule. We believe that freedom from God's rule is better, don't we? And we hear that all the time from the brilliant philosophers of our day. I'll put one up on the screen for you. The brilliant philosophers of our day say, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. We believe that, don't we? Freedom for us is being the king and queen of our, old la- of our own lives. Get God out of the picture. We know what's best. We respond as King Herod did. We're deeply disturbed and we seek to kill Jesus. We kill the relationship. We reject him as king. We're at war with him. We want nothing to do with him. The Bible tells us this is called sin and sin is our great problem. It's every person's great problem. And like all problems, there are consequences to it. There are consequences to our problem. We see the consequences in our world, don't we? We already thought about it with that picture from the Lion King. Death, disease, famine, addiction, relationships break down. All the joy drains in our lives are because of sin. But the greatest consequence of that is we reject the source of all joy in the universe. If we reject him in this life, friends, he will reject us in the life that is to come. And to be apart from the source of all joy is to only know sorrow and pain. But this is what the Bible calls hell, and I take no joy in telling you about it. But the reason the Bible tells us about this great problem is so that we can hear the incredible solution. What is this solution? Verse 8 tells us, go and search carefully for the child. Friends, if you're searching for joy, if you have problems in your life, go and find Jesus, for he can deal with our great problem, our sin. He is our only solution. And because Jesus came to this world that's so broken by sin, joy is within reach. Joy is within reach. Jesus invites us this Christmas to experience this joy. Again, I don't know if you noticed as it was being read, three times Jesus is called a child or the child in the story, in the narrative. This emphasis, the fact that it says story, 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 you know, if your significant other or friend says something to you three times, especially if it's a gift suggestion, you should definitely listen. But the reason it says child three times, it's telling us what type of king Jesus is. He's an inviting king. Where little children are so inviting, aren't they? No one finds a wee baby intimidating. They bring a smile to the saddest face. And people interact with babies in a way they wouldn't interact with anyone else. Uh, We have some friends who have recently had a little baby, and they've been telling us that people interact with their child in ways you just would not interact with any other human being. People will come up to their daughter and say, oh, look at you. Aren't you so cute? Aren't you just the most precious thing? Can I squeeze your cheeks? People try to pick them up, cooch them, good Welsh word, hug them in close. 
no one speaks to adults like that, do they? No one interacts with adults like that. No, no one comes up to me and says, oh, look at you, Dave, aren't you so cute? No one ever comes up to me and tries to pick me up and cooch me. And look, I know what you're all thinking. It's been a long time, Dave, since you were considered cute. And you've got a face for the radio. And good luck to anyone who wants to pick you up, pal. Now, of course, you're right. But we do interact with babies differently, don't we? For we're not afraid of them. Friends, if you are afraid of God, of the Lord Jesus, there's no need to be. He's so inviting. He welcomes all sorts. <laughs> the Bridge Church is testimony to that fact, that he welcomes all sorts. You don't need to work really hard to sort yourself out or to be good enough for him. He invites all to come with all your problems, with all your baggage. You know, we just read a wee bit from the start of Matthew's gospel. Throughout it, all the people who come to him are the wrecks, are the people who don't have their lives together. So come to him and experience the joy of forgiveness. This joy he gives is real. It's not a hypothetical thing. So let me tell you about it as we close. The joy he gives is real. Verse 10 tells us of the emotion that the Magi felt whenever their search for Jesus had been successful. They say, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, the people who have translated the Bible have muted this verse a wee bit. It's like whenever you see a great film and you say, hmm, it wasn't that bad. Like, we do that as British people, don't we? You say, oh, it's not that bad, or it didn't disappoint. You know, we, we dial it down a wee bit. It, what the verse literally says is, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Have you ever felt a joy like that? If you talk to a Christian afterwards tonight, they will tell you their experience of that great joy of having their sins forgiven. The wise men celebrated like this because they had found Jesus. And we see in how they respond that he was worth it. They bow before him. They give away their gifts because by comparison, their gifts are worthless compared to the great King Jesus. And just to think that the Magi did not know the end of the story as we do. They didn't know that the way that Jesus would win back the rebellious world at war with him, he would do it by dying on a cross for them. That the peace that he would buy them would come by his incredible pain. That the fountains of his joy would flow out from his wounds at the cross. That by dealing with the great problem of sin now, he gives the hope of eternal life in heaven with him forever because he rose again. If all this feels a bit unbelievable to you, uh, we have these books here at the Bridge Shirt we'd love for you to take. It says, is Christmas unbelievable? If you're thinking, sounds too good to be true, you can grab one of these on your way out. I would say it takes maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes max to give it a read. Or if you'd prefer any questions, come find me after the service. Let me pray as we close before we sing another song. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you promise us full and lasting joy. I pray that you would help those searching for that joy to find you. I pray those who are struggling tonight, that you would give them a fresh sense of the joy of their salvation. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.